0: Welcome to the DNA Talks podcast, where we take on the mission of unlocking the code of your genetics. This season is all about you upgrading your health, not just on the surface, but down to the root cause. Join us as your clinicians at the DNA Company investigate your DNA and beyond. The intention of this podcast is to enhance your lifestyle by changing what is in your control. This does not substitute the medical advice given by your personal doctor, therapist, and other healthcare
1: professionals. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the DNA Talks podcast, formerly Unpilled Podcast with Kashif Khan. So today we have the wonderful Brian Richards with us. Uh, he is the founder of Sauna Space. What started in 2008 as a DIY project and a personal journey to optimal health inspired him to create Sauna Space's Incandescent Sauna product line in order to help others discover the pathway to natural healing, which now includes the world's first Faraday cage sauna. Aside from being an award-winning founder and CEO, Brian graduated with degrees in organic chemistry and Spanish literature. Okay. So welcome, Brian. Thank you so much for being here. And what an interesting combination, organic chemistry and Spanish literature. Can you give us a little background in what brought you to creating Sauna Space?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, It didn't have anything particularly to do with organic chemistry or Spanish literature, I just had a wide array of interests in um, when I was doing my undergraduate, and I actually studied abroad for four years, and two years of that was in Spain. Uh, the other two and a half years was in Israel. So at the end of all that, I had enough credit and, and education to to get that extra degree. But it, my the sauna space origin story is is after that, actually. So when I when I got out of college, I was uh, doing rental real estate. I was doing something totally unrelated. Um, I, uh, for, for further background, my parents are both physicians. My mother was uh, a general practitioner doing vitamin therapy and things in the 80s in Montana. And my father was a radiologist. So I I grew up with these two different, very polar opposite approaches to, to medicine and to, to healing. And I suppose that subconsciously informed the path that i eventually took but but at the end of my college career i was experiencing adrenal fatigue type symptoms so i was lethargic and irascible i had low energy i didn't sleep well I had a lot of insomnia and kind of mind racing and these it was this strange array of symptoms you know that, that conventional medicine wants to prescribe drugs for and so when i got those recommendations i was frustrated. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to address the root cause of things. And actually, I think it was my mother who recommended I look into sauna. And so I did my research online and, you know, with my chemistry background, I'm, I'm good at reading, you know, the PubMed and, and the published literature. And I dove deep into that and found an incredible body of evidence supporting the use of frequent sauna for, for long life and, and reducing your risk of dying of all things. And at the end of that research, I found Dr. Kellogg's electric light bath. So, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg invented a sauna using incandescent bulbs in 1891, shortly after incandescent bulbs were invented. And he applied his electric light bath to over 50,000 patients in the early 20th century and wrote a book about it called Light Therapeutics, where he documents over 200,000 sauna sessions and all these different protocols that he developed. and documented the success he had in treating chronic disease across the board and every disease type and every organ type. And he was doing so with a, a light therapy sauna uh, powered, by electric, uh, by, powered by incandescent light bulbs, not a far infrared sauna with LEDs in it. And that struck me as, as fascinating. And this concept was kind of lost in history, along with a lot of the earliest 20th century light therapy research and application that was going on that is a whole story in and of itself. But uh, all that to say that I saw this concept, I saw a modern doctor's rendition of it, and I built my own. I'm a taker, I'm a builder. So I was like, I'll I'll, I'll try this out. It seems cool. I can do it at home. It seems safe. And uh, little did I know how amazing and how fun it would be. So I used it once before bed and I slept well. And then again, the next night, And I didn't have any insomnia after that. And then I continued to use it for six months and all of my, these symptoms I was having resolved. Um, This was combined with a a switch to not eating so much bread and flour and also um, getting more serious with, with uh, yoga practice and a couple other lifestyle changes, but the core practice that I was doing like four or five days a week was using my electric light bath that I had made myself. And so I was, I was, I was amazed by this. And then I was also intrigued by how this wasn't available. Where do you buy the electric light bath? It wasn't a commercially available product on the market. And that inspired uh, the start of song space. So I made a few for myself and a few for friends. And then I got an endorsement from a doctor and founded the company and made my own logo and my own website. And that was 10 years ago. So now I have a, I call it more of a workshop, more of a a craftsman shop, but it's a a factory of 40 employees. And these are all handmade in Columbia, Missouri. And I've obsessed over, over 10 years now and trying to build one thing, right. And that's the perfect sauna. And along the way, I've learned so much more about, uh, about the science of it in the beginning. I had no idea about light therapy. Um, Dr. Kellogg didn't either. He just noted that the electric light bath heats the body up much more effectively than the Turkish baths or the Finnish saunas of old. But he had no understanding of mitochondria, of photobiomodulation, and anything like that. But since then I've I've I dove deep into all of that stuff for a long time and and now appreciate that the electric light bath, what what sauna space makes is more than two therapies, one, but essentially sauna therapy and light therapy. And we should talk about both of those. Each one of those has its own story, but the two for one approach combined with some, some really cool purpose-driven design has led to uh, a better way to do sauna, a better way to do light therapy in a more accessible package that, that people love.
1: That's wonderful. You know, I find that necessity is the mother of invention. And you had a need and how beautiful that you found a way uh, to fix that need. That's amazing. Even without knowing all the details of the science, you know, at the time, which brings me Mm -hmm. to the question with all of these different saunas that are now out and available, uh, you know, we've got, especially a lot of them have the LED as well as incandescent bulbs. So can you give our listeners a little bit of an idea about the difference between LED and incandescent bulbs and why you chose and continued with the incandescent?
0: Yeah, well, in the beginning, well, LEDs, LED light therapy uses nanometer wavelengths from 600 to 700 nanometers, that's visible red light, or invisible near-infrared light from 700 to like, 850 nanometers so these are the these are parts of this band of light called the photobiomodulation band light controlling biology so the mitochondria in our body are stimulated by light from this narrow band and uh but but that's all that leds provide so leds don't provide any of the thermal wavelengths that start at like a thousand nanometers or so and and go up into the the mid infrared and and, and the far infrared even. Um, so so if you need a if, if you're trying to make a sauna, you need to have a heat source. So so the incandescent light bulb is is a heat source, but it's also a light therapy source, and that's the misunderstanding you know that that we need to clear up. I started with this. I wouldn't call it coincidence. I would call it serendipity that I stumbled upon this. But in the beginning, I was only looking at the sauna. The, this idea that you purify the body—that the, that the root cause of all disease is disharmony in the internal environment and the external environment—and all the disease that we experience nowadays, whether it's autoimmune or infectious disease or, or any other type of, of chronic illness, it's all because we're poisoned, and the body's trying to clean itself up and, and fight that off, and you get a lot of symptoms related to that. But eventually, if you lose that battle, you know you. You, you lose to the, the symptoms of that disease. So I started out with 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 the focus on sauna. And so sauna, in the sauna world, most of the saunas out there are Finnish saunas, classic saunas that are using the air to heat up the body, probably 160 to 180 degrees. Or they're the m- more popular type of infrared sauna, which is called a far-infrared sauna. It uses a different technology than I use. It uses either ceramic emitters that are long skinny tubes that emit far infrared wavelengths or black carbon panels that also emit far infrared wavelengths. Far infrared wavelengths are very long wavelength, low energy infrared. And both of these technologies heat the body up primarily through heating the air, even the far infrared. And that's because of the, this idea called the optical window of the human body. So, Biological tissue, or I should say, wavelengths of the sun don't penetrate equally into biological tissue. There's an optical window where there's certain wavelengths that go pretty deep. And the rest of the wavelengths are absorbed on the high end with blue light and ultraviolet light by melanin and um, hemoglobin. And on the lower end in the infrared by water. And we have a lot of hemoglobin and and melanin on our skin. And of course, we're 70% water. So most of the wavelengths that hit us from the sun don't penetrate past the, the surface, you know, don't penetrate past the skin, basically. However, in between those two chromophore uh, absorbers, there's the optical window of the human body. The optical window of the human body is uh, about 600 to 1400 nanometers. And that's interesting because that's the entire light therapy band that I previously mentioned, 600 to about 950 nanometers, but it also includes 950 to 1400 nanometers. Those wavelengths go deeply into the body. Actually, the the deepest penetrating wavelength of the sun is at like 930 or 950 nanometers or so. The near infrared wavelengths around there and also a little bit higher towards a thousand and greater can penetrate many inches into the body. And when the wavelengths penetrate deeply into the body, we call that radiant heating. When those 980 to 14, 1500 nanometer wavelengths, the lower end of the near infrared band, when they they heat us, they heat us from the inside. So when you sit in an electric light bath, you're heated from within. It serves as a much more effective way and quick way to heat the body. And what we're trying to do in sauna is heat the body up to get it to sweat. So when you're sitting in a far infrared sauna, the far infrared wavelengths are penetrating only maybe a centimeter or a couple millimeters. And otherwise the primary means of heating the body is still the air, just like the finished sauna. In contrast with the electric lights on, what we do at sauna space, you have this deep penetration of heat. So in our sauna, you don't preheat it. You actually just get in, turn the turn the lights on and you're sweating in 10 or 15 minutes and you're done in 20 or 25, maybe 30 minutes. In contrast, a farm for a sauna, you have to preheat it for a long time And the reason you have to preheat it for a long time is because you are, in fact, using the air primarily to heat you up. Otherwise, you wouldn't need to preheat it. And when you use a farm for sauna that even is preheated, you will sit there for 45 minutes to an hour or longer to achieve the same sweat response as you do in an incandescent light powered sauna. And that leads me to the reason we do sauna. So we have these health benefits that we get from a sauna session. But what is a sauna session? How do you gauge that? If you look at the literature, uh, there's Dr. Rhonda Patrick's article from two years ago. That's really the best one. It's a really great summarizing article. It's like sauna use as a as a health span extension exercise, something like that, but you can look that up. And in there, you'll find that there's, base, there's two main ways, maybe three that you gauge whether you've gotten a good sauna session. One is to raise core temperature, three degrees Fahrenheit. And two is to sweat out one to two pounds of water, which is one kilogram of water. And the third, uh, the third outcome you measure qualitatively is reaching a state of subjective exhaustion. So anytime we're doing a sauna, whether it's a finished sauna or a sweat lodge or a hot tub or a bath or a sauna space electric light bath, the goal is the same. It's to sweat out a pound of water. The question becomes how do we do that you know what's the most effective way to do that there's definitely disadvantages to soaking yourself in water unless it's very clean purified water certainly hot tubs are are not that way you could use the sun outside but the sun has ultraviolet light and blue light that depending on your lifestyle and your uh your skin tone you might not be able to stay out there long enough to achieve the amount of sweat you want to achieve in a sauna so then it becomes, well, the finished saunas in the regular infrared saunas and the sauna space saunas. And in those other saunas, you just take a long time to achieve the same result. And the sauna space sauna is really quick. We actually have a super sauna where instead of there being four bulbs, there's seven bulbs. And in that sauna, the and that's what I have at home, the sauna session only takes 14 minutes. And 14 minutes without any preheating, I've already sweat out a pound of water and I've achieved the same outcome that, is described in the Rhonda Patrick summarizing article. When you achieve that, you've done a sauna session. When you do a sauna session one day a week, you're doing way better than everybody who's not doing it. Ideally you're doing it three or four times a week. And so that's kind of like post developing the product. And in my educational journey, I've learned not all saunas are made the same, but the outcome and the goal is the same. It's really a question of, of time taken. And then, once you you set aside okay this this electric light bath is a lot more efficient way to do do a sauna session well what else is there and the other thing that's there is the light therapy it's um also very different doing light therapy with an incandescent bulb than it is with an led and maybe we you know at some point we should we'll talk about that as
1: well Absolutely. And thank you for that. Uh, That information is very informative and clarifies quite a bit. And I'm hoping we'll clarify that for the people listening. Um, So a couple things. Uh, You were talking about the photobiomodulation. Now with photobiomodulation, I do know that it states it's a non-thermal process for the interaction of light and biology. Um, And I mean, When you consider that, the definition specifically excludes incandescent bulbs. So how do you reconcile using that and still getting a photobiomodulation aspect uh, in that therapy?
0: We need to look at the wavelengths. You can go, uh, it'd be nice if we had a chart right here. You can go to sauna.space under learn and click how infrared saunas work. And you can see a spectrum of the sun and also a spectrum of the thermalite bulb, the bulb we use in our songs the the bulb that I've custom designed. So light therapy occurs from 600 to thousand nanometers. There are peaks within there that are more stimulating than others, but the mitochondria, the cytochrome C, the light receptor protein in the mitochondria, we have these in every cell of the body almost. They absorb these wavelengths of light and they activate the wide array of amazing health benefits of photobiomodulation. You can use either red light or the higher-end portion of near-infrared light that we don't see. Um, the thermal band of infrared starts at 980 nanometers. And in in nature, things are analog. They're not discrete like humans would maybe like them to be and, and, and modern science would like it to be. So there's a little bit of overlap here. But essentially, light therapy is 600 to 1,000 nanometers. and And heat therapy is... 1,000 and greater nanometers. So the incandescent bulb provides both of those. Now, having said that, we use a special incandescent bulb that I've designed. It's in in, in Dr. Kellogg's electric light bath. It was the original electric light bulb that he was using. Uh, he was also using larger uh, 150 and, and maybe even 250 watt bulb versions, but I think his were smaller um, overall. The bulb that we use is a 250 watt bulb that has a, a filament in it that's specially tuned to operate at a higher temperature, a well, higher Kelvin. And when you have a really hot filament like that, that's ours is operating at 2,400 Kelvin, and you have a very large 250-watt bulb, you can actually measure the amount of photobiomodulation you can get. You can use an radiance meter. You can use a meter that measures 400 to 1,000 nanometers and measure the photobiomodulation band and the visible light band. And our bulb is, uh, is made with stained red glass. So it doesn't emit any blue or ultraviolet. So when you hold a meter up to it, an irradiance meter, you can measure what's coming out that's doing photobiomodulation, not what's doing thermal heating, but only what that was, which is provoking a light therapy effect. And if you look at light therapy, in the, in the research, you'll see that therapeutic light therapy is defined as between 10 and 100 milliwatts per centimeter squared. So uh, in, that, in that power range, and the farther away you are from the bulb, the more that goes down. Uh, if you're in that power range, you're in the therapeutic range. And With our four-bulb unit at two feet away from you, when you sit in the, the standard sauna-space sauna, space sauna the the irradiance is like 70 or 75 milliwatts per centimeter squared. So it's substantially in the therapeutic range. And you couldn't measure that if it wasn't there. So it's definitely there. But the confusion becomes that is that most of the research in photobiomodulation is done with LEDs, but not all of it. There is actually research in using incandescents, but in research they want to, they want to isolate things. They want to know what the single wavelength does. Right. And so they're, They're testing all the wavelengths, and they find that 660 nanometers and 830 nanometers are the wavelengths that seem to stimulate the mitochondria the most, even though all the wavelengths from 600 to 1,000 nanometers stimulate the mitochondria. So the LED light therapy products are designed to deliver a 1 to 10 nanometer wide spiked band of light. And if it's a red light panel, it's 660 nanometers. If it's a near-infrared panel where you turn it on and you don't see anything because it's invisible... Uh, That's at 830 nanometers. So they're operating based on the science of, uh, or or the sort of the trajectory that the research into light therapy has taken. But the basis for creating a man-made device that emits wavelengths of light to trigger biological responses in the body is based on our experience with the sun. So the sun emits all of these wavelengths. And the best way, of course, to get it is from the sun. The sun is an incandescent light source. It's 5,500 Kelvin, so it's about twice as hot as the, the filament in, in the sauna space bulb. And it's so hot that the peak is shifted into such high frequency that the sun emits a lot of ultraviolet light and blue light too. But we should clarify like, well, okay, if our evolutionary or ancestral experience with photobiomodulation is with the sun, well, what are we getting from the sun? The sun uh, emits all these wavelengths, right? Incandescent light is all the wavelengths in this broadband of light, what we call full spectrum light, but not in the same proportion. So even though the sun emits about 43% near-infrared spectrally, it turns out that what we absorb is much more than that. And that's because near-infrared light, as I said before, penetrates the deepest into the body. So when we're out in the sun, and ancestrally would be predominantly exposed and naked. 70% of the wattage we absorb from the sun, the photons that hit our body and go in and are absorbed by the mitochondria, 70% of the wattage from the sun is near infrared. It's not red light and it's not ultraviolet or blue or visible light. The vast majority of, of the power and the nourishment we absorb from the sun is in this near infrared band and has, has to do with that tissue penetration. So. Our experience with the sun is an experience with near-infrared, much more so than ultraviolet light, much more so than red light. And so when we look at that, we see, wow, let's use near-infrared uh, for photobiomodulation. And, oh, we can also use near-infrared for sauna. So I developed a light bulb that is a is cooler of a light source than the sun, but instead of it peaking in the visible light range, it peaks in the near infrared range and gives you a huge dose of near infrared. And that's both portions of near infrared, the photobiomodulation, the non-thermal, very high energy portion, and also the other half, the lower end of near infrared and mid infrared as well, and some far infrared that all heat you. But again, the, the best way to heat the body is is the near-infrared portion, 980 to about 1,500 nanometers. So you can see a chart on my website where I highlight that this is the light therapy component, and this is the optimal heat therapy component of the spectrum. But the spectrum does extend out, just like the sun, with a long tail into infrared.
1: Yeah, and it makes you uh, appreciate the scientific importance of exposure at sunrise and sunset when we have that type of, light and frequencies and why you know we as humans ancestrally, you know, they had certain ceremonies during those time periods. And you know, why it makes you wonder why we appreciate and enjoy, you know, times when we're watching the sun at that time. And so uh especially Yeah, know, there,
0: I mean there's and there's so many ancestral practices around that. There's the Agnihotra tradition and in, in Ayurvedic tradition, but watching the sunrise is therapeutic, very much at the cellular level. There's some, you know, it's probably beyond the scope of this conversation to talk about it, but early morning sunlight is good. And also after getting early morning sunlight, midday sun is also good and not getting sun after dark, which makes, which is obvious because the sunset means also not getting any blue light after dark. So there's so many lessons uh, and, and so much healing that can be gotten by understanding how, how amazing the sun is for us. I'll actually add one more thing in. We've talked this whole time about photobiomodulation, the use of red and near-infrared light to heal damaged tissue and re-optimize healthy tissue. The sun does other things too with near-infrared light. So our bodies produce melatonin and uh, most people understand this as the sleep hormone. And the classical understanding is the blue light from the sun promotes melatonin production in the pineal gland during the day. And then when the sun sets, that melatonin is released into the blood and activates the brain clocks timer to, to go to sleep. And that's part of our circadian rhythm. And we're beings of rhythm, you know, we're totally designed to to have that daily rhythm. But the sun, uh, but it turns out that most of the melatonin in the body is not coming from the pineal gland. 94% of the body's melatonin is cellularly, is made cellularly right at the mitochondria. And it's made from the stimulus of near infrared light. So when you're out in the sun each day or you go into the sauna space sauna, what you're doing is you're refilling your antioxidant reserves at the cellular level right there where the cells need it, where all the cellular respiration is going on. And the sun's doing that. That's not, that, that's definitely a light controlling biology effect, but it's not a mitochondrial stimulation effect. It's another huge benefit of getting daily sunlight and a huge benefit of the sauna space sauna is that you can sit in this for quite some time to get this benefit deeply into your body. When you use an led light therapy panel, you're usually using it for a very brief period of time or in the sauna space sana, sauna, it's albeit a, a a bit lower dose. You're using it for a longer period of time because you're in the sauna for 15, 25, 30 minutes. And you're getting that, melatonin production at the cellular level and other things as well like the structuring of water in the body water um can be in a non-structured state when it's in a structured state so there's there's a uniformity of the positive and negative charge in the water the water becomes basically more bioavailable it's more usable by the body and there's many ways to structure water you can structure water before it comes into the body but with near infrared light from from the my sauna and also from the sun you can correct the state and reoptimize the water itself inside your body and literally hydrate yourself during the sauna session and that's a unique benefit of using an incandescent light bulb in the sauna as you you're overlapping these exogenous stimuli stimuli that are healing you know at the same time it becomes a very stacked therapy
1: so just to distill, um, you know, some of those pearls, uh, so what is the depth that your bulbs penetrate the body, you know, that people could say, yes, this is the type of sauna that I like, but that I should have for incandescent as compared to the LD LED. Cause we were talking about the depth of penetration in order to get to the, um, to the mitochondria, to the bones. I mean, we don't want it just your dermal, uh, you know, depth, but to actually get to the deeper uh, cellular tissue.
0: Yeah. So, so far infrared wavelengths don't promote ph- photobiomodulation and they only penetrate one to two millimeters in the body on average. They're 100% absorbed by water. The water in the skin uh, invariably stops it. Red light can penetrate, you know, like an inch or more into the body, but it's also primarily stopped by hemoglobin. Uh, in the blood and also some melanin. Near-infrared wavelengths can penetrate on, will penetrate on average four to five inches into the body. So that's way deep into the torso. Also near-infrared wavelengths are the only ones that penetrate bone tissue. So if you want to photobiomodulate the brain, red light therapy is not doing anything for that. It's, it's more, it's, it's photobiomodulating the skin and, and increasing blood flow, you know, around the skull. and, And that is having some benefit to the brain, but it's not directly stimulating the brain cells at all, but near infrared light will. It will penetrate the bone tissue and nourish and stimulate the the brain cells deep in. There's actually a study where they, a NASA study where they used a water filtered near infrared light and they found it penetrated a calf tissue like twenty three centimeters, which is like I don't know seven, seven or nine inches. So we're talking about a, a ten. You know, we're talking about a hundredfold penne- deeper penetration than far infrared, and 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 several fold deeper penetration of near infrared light than red light. If you're gonna if you're gonna bother to do photobiomodulation, you might as well be using near infrared all the time.
1: So when when we think about this, when a person actually has your sauna, okay, um, what would the procedure? that they would do to make the most optimal use out of it. Uh, What would a therapeutic session for them look like? Can you just uh, briefly walk us through?
0: Yeah. Initially, you can just time it based on um, the three degree temperature increase in your body and sweating out at least one pound of water. Some people who have health conditions will want to start slowly and titrate up in time. There's also four light bulbs that you can turn off some of them. So some people who have by temperature regulation issues based on some health concerns that they have can start out with two or three bulbs, but ideally you sit in the sauna, you rotate every few minutes to every five minutes, a quarter turn, and you stay in there till you sweat out a pound of water. You can actually weigh yourself on a scale before and after the sauna session and figure that out. You can take a thermometer, one of those instant read thermometers and measure your relative core temperature increase. Um, you do want to reach that state of subjective exhaustion as well. That's, that's discussed in the literature. So that's basically when you feel uncomfortable in there and you get to the point where you're like, mm, I really want to get out. I've had enough. If, if with, preca- with caution, if you can still stay in another three to five minutes, you're maximizing your sauna session because you're increasing the production of dynorphins and dynorphins are those things that make you feel uncomfortable, but they're associated with a a larger production of endorphins after the sauna session. So it's very easy. You know, that's all like very left brain. Um, Once you use it a few times, you go in and you spend enough time till you see the sweat And you feel the sweat and you know how much a pound of water looks like in terms of how much you sweat out and you're done. You're not really you're not really needing to measure it. You know, once you use it uh, for a while, it's very, very
1: straightforward. So would you recommend um, someone going in? no clothes on, maybe just a towel on, or depending on where it's located and uh, foot traffic through there, if it's in a home that's being occupied by others, uh, can they go in with some light loose clothing? I mean, but
0: uh, how- No, I, that's, a, that's a great question. You wanna be naked. So the clothing blocks the light, just like it does so uh, from the sun. When you wear clothing out in the sun, you're not just blocking the ultraviolet light that causes your skin to tan you're totally blocking the infrared. When you have low E energy efficient windows in your home, you're blocking all the healing near infrared wavelengths and, and heat and thermal uh, infrared as well. So when you're in the sauna space sauna, you at least have your torso exposed. You know, if you're in more of a public area, you can wear a, a swimsuit, but as much exposed skin as possible is ideal to allow for the direct stimulation of the tissues, by the near infrared light coming from the lamps.
1: So, what about uh, wearable devices? Uh, you know, for example, I wear an Aura ring. Um, I can keep track of my heart rate variability, heart rate, different things like that. Um, is that something that you would say no? You really shouldn't be wearing wearables, or is it okay?
0: We have a lot of customers who wear Aura rings. In uh, the sauna, you know, they want to see their HRV improvement, you know, after a sauna session and also uh, their sleep scores, you know, post a sauna session. So they're definitely wearing in that. I, w- You would have to ask that manufacturer in regards to, you know, what's okay or not. But, but definitely we have our customers talk about it in our reviews and, and on social media, how they're using that aura ring. People do wear Apple Watches, too. I know that the newer Apple Watch Ultra is certified for use in a very high, you know, in a higher temperature environment like a sauna. So in, in, in all of the cases of the wearable tech, I just advise that they be turned into airplane mode. And that's because our saunas are all shielded. So they're they're, electric, they're shielded for electric and magnetic field. And they all include a grounding mat that grounds you. And our Faraday sauna, which is an upgrade, has a silver-based liner system that blocks all of the environmental EMF from coming in, all the cell phone and all the wireless radiation. And so you don't want to bring a transmitting device into there. The same thing if you brought your phone in, you turn it into airplane mode and you can listen to music or listen to meditation without it having to transmit anything. And it's just you don't want to meditate or do therapy in a polluted space. There's a growing problem nowadays of the electro smog, and it's it's stressful to our bodies uh, at the cellular level. It's stressful to our nervous system. That's a you know there's a whole conversation about that. But but ideally, you would not have that be a part of your session. But you can still keep the wearable tech on an airplane mode to track your results. And uh, we we have so many customers that are doing that.
1: Wonderful. Very good to know. Uh, and of course, it's always a nice excuse to just set down the electronics <laughs> to give mm-hmm. your body a break from all of that uh, EMF insult. Uh, so speaking of um, the electropollution and everything else, and and as well as uh, ways to protect our brains. Now, when you're talking about bulbs, there can be flicker rates. Uh and yes, incandescent bulbs can, uh, you know, flicker, obviously. So how would that work with people who are prone to seizures, seeing that like between three and 30 Hertz, those flashes per second are the common rates to trigger seizures. But obviously that can vary from person to person. But um, how how would you uh, recommend uh, something mm-hmm. like that?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Yes, the lower wattage incandescent bulbs do flicker. Uh just like pretty much all leds flicker LEDs have a more i would say more detrimental flicker because they flicker one hundred and twenty times a second uh, and they when they flicker they shut on and off completely. so the severity of the the depth of the flicker is is dramatic it's actually worse than fluorescent light bulbs in terms of flicker, even though those flicker as well, and all of those um, you know are are known to cause issues, headaches, and other things actually the original fluorescent light bulbs when they were invented you know 50 60 whatever years ago uh, had lower um, their ballast ran them at lower frequencies like two to you know, one to four hundred Hertz and people had terrible time with them they were causing uh, a lot of stress and a lot of uh, headaches and other things and they figured out that you can increase the the flicker rate to six eight hundred a thousand Hertz and it reduced the the stress on the body so It's like you said, it's these low flicker rates, these low hertzes that are the most stressful on the body. And and LEDs are very problematic in that regard, particularly the home LEDs, but also most of the light therapy products that I've ever tested and seen that are LED-based do flicker, uh, setting aside the EMF issues with them. With the incandescent bulb, uh, the lower wattage uh, versions of that do, do flicker. What we figured out is... If you, well, let me explain the difference between the flicker of an LED versus an incandescent. So the LEDs just shut on and off 120 times a second because we have 60 hertz electricity in the US. So 120 times a second, it goes from 0% to 100% power. The incandescent bulb produces light in a different way. It produces light by uh, incandescence, is when you heat a material hot enough in nature. It emits light naturally in the incandescent curve that we see, and you can predict that with Planck's law. So the the tungsten filament in an incandescent bulb is really hot. And when the current alternates, because we have alternating current, there's a power loss that's very brief. And when you experience that power loss with LEDs, they flicker. And with incandescent bulbs, they're not turning on and off 100%. They're glowing. So what they're doing is they're just cooling down a little bit. So the flicker severity is much more minimal than an LED. It's just going like this instead of it opening and closing with each flicker, with each pulse of the alternating current. The bulb we use is a very large 250 watt bulb. That's also a very high Kelvin. And what we found is the combination of the high Kelvin and this 250 watt, very high wattage, um, they mean that the the film inside is so big and so hot that when it experiences the power loss from the alternating current switch, it doesn't have enough time to cool down before it gets power again. So the sauna space bulb doesn't really measurably flicker and you can measure that with a flicker meter. Uh, The, like, it's really when you get down to like 11 watt and 20 watt, you know, 25, 30 watt incandescent bulbs where the flicker is really noticeable. If you even get up to a sixty or seventy-five watt bulb, uh, the the flicker really goes down dramatically. But our bulbs don't really flicker because you know for those reasons. So that we've we've tried to address that with um, with design and with engineering. And uh, I don't think we have a single reported uh, complaint from a customer in regards to that. To to, you know to to people who suffer from being stressed out by a flickering light. They just don't have that with our product, the nourishment it provides. And, and for the reasons stated flickering for us is not an issue, but flickering in general, in all of our modern led lighting and all of our screens is a big issue. So uh, I'd like to bring up one cool thing, Dr. Lara, so you can uh, use, since this is non flickering light, from, from either our saunas or our, our portable therapy light called the Photon. It's a single light bulb in uh, an electrical fixture. You can actually bring this light and use it in a space that has LED light in it, whether it's screens or overhead LEDs, and you can fill in the gaps between the flickers. And you also can cancel out the blue light and you can measure this with a, me- a flicker meter and you can measure it with uh, a spectrometer, a Blue, you know, measure the amount of blue light when you introduce the space light into the area, you cancel out the blue light and you cancel out the measurable flicker. So you, you, you re-optimize the lighting environment, especially nowadays, we have to work with computers. We have to, most of this overhead LED lighting is all built in. But what you can do is you can bring the outdoor spectrum indoors and cancel out the, the negative effects of this modern blue light. By having this firelight, you know this little campfire spectrum in where you work, so people are using our products for technology fatigue and screen fatigue, and for blue light-free lighting indoors as like a little a little campfire that is much easier to use because it's electric—you just plug it in.
1: And that's the external side bulb that you're talking about.
0: Uh, uh, let me see if I can show you it here.
1: Because so I saw I saw and, the red glow on you. I yeah, so that you had is, one on. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I work with it all day long, so you can see here right. real quick. This is the photon, and and I have it on a, a desk arm right now. But it's one of our thermal eye bulbs on uh, an electrically shielded panel that you can use really anywhere. It, can, it doesn't have to be on this arm. It can sit on the table and point up, and it's and it's it's really a, an amazing accessory to have a healthy indoor living environment, because the light is, is just as important as having clean air and, and being hypoallergenic, you know, with your, your building materials is, is the, 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 the light itself. And, and most of the lighting nowadays is all blue, and the blue is so toxic to us. It has so many detrimental effects across the spectrum to our health. And because we're living indoors nowadays, unlike our ancestors out in the sun every day, we're not getting any near-infrared light anymore at all. And instead, we're getting inordinately larger amounts of blue light than we've ever had, and blue light has uh, so many damaging health effects to the body. For men, it reduces testosterone. It messes with your the quality of your sleep. It, it's basically a killer wavelength. It's like right next to ultraviolet light on the spectrum. It's not quite ionizing radiation, but it does indirectly damage your DNA through peroxynitrite production. So, it's and and it's just the the degree and the saturation that we have with it nowadays that's really toxic so so yeah you can you can use this to mitigate all that and still uh you know enjoy yourself indoors nowadays all this crazy blue light and definitely blue light after dark you don't want any blue light but you want to have light to hang out so this is it's great it's just like a little campfire you can use this some people buy our sauna panels actually and use them as a fireplace to have you know, uh, to to vibe up the the living room, um, and and have light that's has no blue light in it after dark.
1: Yeah, and that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us because I'll tell you, especially for people like me who spend most of our time on the computer every day, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and being exposed to that light. I mean, yes, we have the the flux, you know, where after sundown, you know, the the uh, light will change. Uh, the emissions you know, will be more of that red hue, but still it, it does cause fatigue. Um, so mm-hmm. wonderful. So glad that you, um, you thought of that and that you created that. Um, and one of the things that you had said, uh, hypoallergenic. So I noticed that uh, you do promote the fact that your products are hypoallergenic. So what makes your products hypoallergenic compared to others?
0: Yeah, well, they're all organic, Dr. Lara. So it's all, um, it's all solid, untreated basswood and stainless steel and certified organic cotton and, and, and organic bamboo. Those are the only construction materials we, or the predominant construction materials we use. So there's this issue that's called off-gassing. So when you heat something up, it emits little microparticles of itself. When you heat up organic products, it's, it's, it's just, it's wood oil and cellulose and and things like that. When you heat up chemically made products like, like plastics and and resins and paints and things like that, they off gas solvents, they off gas chemicals that are invariably endocrine disruptors and are, are damaging to us. So just like You know, in your home, you want to use zero VOC paint. In your bed, you want to have organic sheets. At least in your in your in your bed, if not throughout your home, you want to have organic sheets and some type of organic composition of mattress uh, to to minimize your exposure to all these these toxic chemicals. It's really a a, a tidal wave of, of of pollution that we're exposed to every day through the water we drink, the air we breathe and all the chemicals we're exposed to and all of the materials we interact with that touch our food, that, that carry our food, what we touch, you know, the, uh, in, that are in our cars. And it's like every aspect of our lives. We have so much there. So at least in the sauna, you want that to be all very hyperallergenic. You know, there's some saunas out there that are, that look like plastic, kind of like plastic bags, you know, that your head sticks out of. And uh, there's also wood box saunas where it has, solid wood liner on the inside, but has uh, plywood and MDF, you know, p- particle board cores and the glues in those. And, and, and just, there's, a, there's a lot of chemical content that when you heat it up, it, it off gases in the air and you you're exposed to it. So ideally you don't have any of that. I never wanted that in the beginning. My very first product was actually really bricolage. It was, it was plumbing pipe, you know, from Home Depot and it was my, the one I made for myself, plumbing pipe from, from the the hardware store. And and it was painter's cloth from Home Depot. So they were, you know, half, half polyester, half cotton. And I sat on a metal powder coated office folding chair and I had this amazing healing experience. So that's not to say, you know, that that's the power of the sauna and the electric light bath, but People nowadays are are so uh, hyper, you know, very chemically sensitive and when the body's already poisoned and you have symptoms of dis-ease and some chronic thing that you're dealing with, the immune system's compromised. So you're hypersensitive and you're reactive to all these different things. You know, we've had customers that are actually reactive to the wood oils and cedar and there are many saunas that are made from cedar and cedar is a beautiful wood and it's should be fine but it has a much higher wood oil content than basswood basswood has the lowest wood oil content really of any wood available and so we chose basswood of all things because the, the most hypoallergenic you can make wood is basswood and so we use that for our saunas and 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 the same uh, hypoallergenic principles applied across the board to all the all every every component of the product including the grounding mat that you sit on it has um, it has a hypoallergenic conductive material underneath but it has organic bamboo on top and our Faraday liner system most of the EMF shielding fabrics you see out there are either synthetic polyester or nylon based or there are a few that are regular cotton and I wanted to offer an organic, an organic cotton option. And I had, I spent like two years developing that and sourcing that and getting that right. So that it's certified organic and it's silver based instead of stainless, uh, you know, instead of a uh, nickel based, I should say, um, or, or, or copper based and, and it's still washable. So it's, it's a, it's a washable product, which is pretty cool. It's, it's not the Maybe the most important, it's not the the biggest advantage of the sauna space. The biggest advantage is the technology we use to heat the body and to heal the body with, with the light, bringing those two together in a way nature intended. That's how we experience heat and photobiomodulation has always been together from the sun, but to make the best product possible, you have to address these hypoallergenic concerns in your building materials for sure. We have.
1: And that, is amazing that you've taken that kind of care for every piece that creates this product and you know I hadn't even really thought of it washing it how often do you generally have to wash it
0: well you don't need to uh, very often at all you use a towel so the towels it's a dry sauna it's not wet Mm -hmm. so the so you sweat and you put a towel folded in half on the stool and Another towel for that covers the floor mat, and when you're done with the sauna session, you just take those towels out, and you wash the towels, and the towels collect the sweat. Uh, having said that, the, the 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 covers, the enclosure is made of a large organic cotton washable cover and a curtain, and you can take those off and wash them, uh, you know, according to the instructions. No problem if 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 you need to, but. Like me with my sauna here, I don't wash it because I just use the towels and then, and then remove them afterwards. And that keeps it really clean and nice.
1: Can that be done in just a, a regular large size washing machine or does it yeah. need to be yeah. specially washed?
0: Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You can wash that at home. We recommend a, a pH neutral, you know, like a, like a, a natural laundry detergent. There's many of those out there that you can mm-hmm. buy and, and then you just hang it to dry instead of using it in the dryer, but yeah, you absolutely, it's washable.
1: Very cool. Uh, so can anyone use this or are there any contraindications for people um, who shouldn't use it?
0: Well, I have to say there's, you have to, if you're pregnant or nursing, you should consult your healthcare provider before using any sauna product or any, any light therapy product, probably any product at all. <laughs> They're always told that, but it is not really contraindicated for any health condition. It, children need to be supervised with the use of it. Just, uh, and any minor would be supervised with the use of it, but I've had my children in there, uh, and using, and I know a lot of our customers do with, you know, the, the mother sits in there with the child and, uh, otherwise there's no age limit to it either. It's everybody from, from, you know, five years old to 105 years old who are able to use it. If you have a health condition, you should consult your healthcare provider before using it. And people who have physical ailments and are or not used to sauna therapy or are overweight or uh, for really, if they're not very fit, healthy individuals, they just start out a slow, uh slowly in using the therapy using it for less time and less bulbs we have customers who've only been able to use particularly those in the autoimmune crowd who need to start out with one bulb and they can only use it for for maybe 5 minutes or so and it takes them a period of weeks or even months to titrate up to full use some customers actually buy the the individual portable light the photon therapy light And just start out with that and use it on the stomach and the head and so forth and build up to be able to use a sauna session. But otherwise, anyone and everyone can use this. It's built into our biology, and it also is a a practice that you see in every human culture on Earth going back a really, really long time. And really, the creation of fire was an attempt to leverage our technology to harness the power of the sun, fire is you, you know, it's our friend and tool. We use it to cook food and to create food that's more calorie rich and so many other things, but it's also used for warmth and for, and for healing, even the fireplace or the campfire. Um, uh, it still delivers some, uh, photobiomodulation, uh, uh, quite a bit less than our, our light bulbs and quite a bit less than the sun. But you see in the, in the research that you can stimulate a mitochondrial response with like one milliwatt per centimeter squared of of red or near infrared light into the body so it doesn't take much so when you're sitting in front of the campfire it's not just the heat that feels good it's the light therapy too and the melatonin production and the relaxation of the of the central nervous system and the 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 centering and the calming and the 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 ability for it to bring you into the present to get you out of of the stress the that's all going on there at the same time.
1: Wow, this, this has been really amazing. I so appreciate you, Brian. Thank you so much for everything that you have done, what you went through to bring this product into existence. Um, and can you let us know where can people find you, find the products, uh, any other great information that you have for them?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sauna.space, everything is on there. That's our website. You can see the products and um, and click on the learn section and learn about the science and, and the health benefits and all that cool stuff. There's a research archive in the bottom. If you'd like to look at the literature, I've organized uh, a lot of relevant research by topic. And then also on social, we're at Sauna Space everywhere. You can see me on YouTube and on Instagram. I've been on a lot of uh, podcasts and a lot of talks that I have now on our on our social so it's at saunaspace and our website Sonaspace saunaspace and if if that's not enough you can call us chat you can chat and email with us and actually call us as well from eight to five you know all week long everything is everything we do is in-house we we design manufacture and and do our customer service and our fulfillment all in-house to ensure that your customer experience is, is unforgettable
1: fantastic thank you again so much uh, really appreciate having you. We appreciate your information, your insights. Uh, and again, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your experiences. And we want to thank all of you, our listeners. Thank you for taking the time listening to this podcast. I We hope you've learned something that you didn't know before and huh. have expanded your knowledge and Hopefully, we'll expand your health, evolve to make the best you possible. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. Thank you, Dr. Larkin.